1: 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.
2: At center ice, it's Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly, dishes off, one time. To the 30, 20, 10, 5, Star. touchdown Eskimos!
1: home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad.
2: The Edmonton Oilers back to work today. They didn't hit the ice. Some meetings, some off-ice workouts, getting ready to play Tampa Bay on Saturday night. I can tell you that the Oilers have called up Taylor Beck. From the Bakersfield Condors. He's leading that team in scoring. Anton Slepeshev gets sent down. They'll be back on the practice ice tomorrow. You'll hear some comments from head coach Todd McClellan, from Milan Lucic as we move along this evening, and you can get more as well on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports, soon to be replaced. By night after night of Garth Brooks concerts. (laughs) This seems like the only thing left in the city that's not a Garth Brooks concert. But speaking of friends in low places, I'm pleased to welcome (laughs) NHL legend Kelly Rudy back to the show. Hi, Kelly.
3: That's my favorite intro of all time that you've just given me. That is fantastic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I try, buddy. I try. Uh, you got to rub shoulders with, uh, with a lot of uh, celebrities and entertainers over the over your years. You ever run into Garth Brooks? I did.
3: I uh, interviewed him in uh, uh, Denver, I believe it was, for a hockey night in Canada game. We were. He has that uh, ch- uh, foundation. I think teammates for kids. I could be mistaken with the name, but it's something like that. And uh, he's he partners with the NFL, the NHL, I think uh, Major League Baseball, and other organizations, maybe basketball, I don't know that. But uh, he's really partnered a lot uh, with the NHLPA, and he's performed a bunch of private parties. I know in Vegas he's had private parties for the guys, private concerts. I was at one uh, somewhere at uh, one of the All-Star Games in some city, I can't recall anymore. But, and he put on a private concert for a whole bunch of us, which was amazing. He and his wife, uh, Trisha Yearwood, whom I'm a big fan of, so they both sang. Um, and then going back to the interview, I can't recall uh, what year it was, but uh, I was asked to go up and do an interview with him in uh, the, maybe Joe Sackick's box or something. And anyways, he was really nice. He was awesome. He's, in fact, quite good friends with Patrick Laws, as I found out. And uh, he was great. We had like a five-minute interview or something like that. I think you can still find it on YouTube if you search. But uh, I was quite nervous, and he made me feel really at ease.
2: Well, he has the reputation. I mean, he was on, uh, we have Kissing Country 1039, another quarter station in the same building. He was on the morning show two weeks in a row because people just keep buying tickets to his shows uh nine right. shows in edmonton over 140,000 tickets sold between Are you february, serious? yes he's doing nine shows between february 17th and 25th some days he's doing a matinee and an evening show oh. like the guy just works his butt off
3: well he does and and what i was uh, able to find out about how gracious he is and And that charitable work, like that foundation, he does really important work. And if I'm not mistaken, also, uh, one of the other reasons why people like him, not only because of his music, that that foundation, I believe they donate 100% of the proceeds that that are raised. So, I mean, talk about uh, putting your money where your mouth is.
2: Yeah, for sure. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. You know, we're going to continue with the uh, celebrity chat. Obviously, on a on a sad note, Kelly, with uh, Alan Thick passing away a couple of days ago. And you played for the L.A. Kings when it was uh, a big rebirth for for the team, and, and a lot of uh, Hollywood types, uh, you know, started to come to the games a little more. Mister McNall did a credible job promoting them. Now, Alan Thick was obviously a Canadian and already a hockey fan, but he, and he already had a relationship with Wayne Gretzky, but you you must have uh, run into Alan several times.
1: Oh,
0: if
3: not hundreds of times. So Alan was a great uh, uh, friend for, you know what, I'm going to say, and I don't think I'm incorrect here, for most of us of my generation, he was at, you know, not only at LA Kings games, but he was in many of the buildings we would be in, you know, sometimes I'd see him at Maple Leaf Gardens or, you know, maybe the Montreal Forum and in different buildings because he was not only extremely busy with his acting, but he was just such an avid fan. That's why I thought it was really great that the NHL put out a release which I wouldn't think would happen most times for a, a celebrity or a fan of the game, but because Alan's involvement and I know he did a number of things hosting for the NHL and so on. So I was a great loss. He was he was a really nice, humble Canadian guy from Northern Ontario. Um, you know I I just think that what a tragic way to die I mean he loved the game of hockey and that's what uh, took his life so but you know I think most often or more more so of Wayne because he and and Alan had a great friendship if not and again if I'm not mistaken when Wayne prior to being traded to Los Angeles I think Wayne was living uh, at Allen's place in the summer so that's how close their bond was.
2: Do you remember I mean obviously he was an incredibly keen hockey fan would he want to would he want to talk to you about the game, or or would he just sort of want to come up and and visit, or or was he just right into what had happened and wanted to know about it?
3: Uh, he was uh, he was a little bit of everything. He, he loved talking the game, but he he wasn't such a, a fan that that's the only kind of conversation you had. In fact, my wife and I ran into him in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm going to say about a year and a half ago, we were uh, invited to, there's a, at the Canadian consulate. they have a, a, Gram, a Grammy party, and that's where I had a really nice chat with him for at least 10 minutes. And uh, so, you know, we must have talked about music or acting or something at that point, but he was a very well-rounded guy, and, and I don't know if there's anybody, at least that I've ever met, that ever said anything disparaging about him. And I'm not saying that only because he's passed away. I would have said that if you were still around today.
2: Kelly, Rudy joining us on Inside Sports at 6.13. You know, it's interesting this week because I had Bruce McNall on the show on uh, on Monday and he gave some thoughts on Las Vegas and, and protecting star players. And, and he said, I don't know what the league is going to do, but he goes, you can't have stars at risk because I can't sell a movie without a star. And I don't think the league mm-hmm. can sell itself in a lot of markets without a star coming to town. But... McNall, uh and look i know he's had ups and downs in his career and and his life but he he to me he put the kings on the map in terms of making them relevant and and making them competitive because let's face it a lot of guys probably liked playing hockey in la in the 80s but the team wasn't usually very good and i think he kind of and you were there so i'm interested to get your memories of McNall. to me he kind of whether people liked him or not Said, "Hey, we're the LA Kings, and you're going to pay attention to us."
3: You know, I'm glad you mentioned that about his uh, feelings about stars and uh, protecting them. Because when I look back, I guess the number one thing I think of uh, Bruce, and there are many positives. He's personally, regardless of the situation he found himself in um, with the uh, the law, he I found him to be. Uh, nothing short of a fantastic human being and he treated not only myself but my, my entire family uh, amazingly well um, but I think of the the different attitude he had than virtually any other owner that I could have ever uh, uh, worked for or in any other league that I've ever known and I, by that I mean when you think of Bruce, one of his roles or one of his beliefs after he got Uh, wayne was he wanted to make the people of la the hockey fans there or the non-hockey fans even believe that the rest of us were stars too he created uh this market in los angeles that people have to come see um just name virtually any of my teammates like luke robert luke was already a star so i'm not picking the right guy but uh tony granado me um a whole bunch of guys and he made it this thing that you had to come see, not only Gretzky, but his his star teammates. It was really unique. And the reason why it's maybe even more unique than just that simple concept, what owner do you think would want everybody to believe your players are stars? Because then that means if you turn around, in all likelihood, you're going to have to pay them more. Right. <laughs> but that wasn't, Bruce didn't care about that. He just wanted uh, attendance. And because of that, mindset he had he had sold out buildings in la for many 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 years and that was his brilliant marketing strategy
2: well you create some high expectations too so i guess the players have no choice but to try to live up to them too if you, if the owner paying them then they gotta step up and say okay he's telling me like a star paying me like a star i better try to be a star
3: well and you know what we had that but i think further to that comment we had the pressure of playing uh, with Gretzky. And so that was, that's all the uh, 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 added incentive I needed. Because, for instance, if you really break it down, it's hard to play, um, you know, great 70 times a year for a goalie or 60 or 55 or whatever. And so what you I really found you had to do is power through and maybe um you're not feeling all that great you you might be uh in minnesota playing the north stars or something and your wife calls you and says hey things aren't great at home three of the kids have the flu or whatever and so you've got all this stuff going on in your head and but you show up at the building and it's completely sold out because every single person in minnesota the the State of minnesota bought a ticket they want to see gretzky and so we could never let our buddy down and many of us talked about that that i mean it didn't matter where you were you had to play great because or to the best of your abilities because wayne had all this pressure on him and how dare we uh, let our friend get embarrassed
2: kelly i'm glad you brought that up about pushing through when you're not playing great because that ties into the oilers can we get to that after the break yeah, you got it right on. More with Kelly Rudio. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, throw something at Kelly that Todd McClellan said today, and it ties in nicely to what Kelly just said. Inside sports on Chad. <laughs>
1: This year, 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous will make Christmas dreams come true for more than 25,000 less fortunate kids. You can drop off a new toy at any shopping center, Costco, Toys R Us, or Canadian Tire. Or at Santa's Warehouse, the Jerry Forbes Center at 121 68th Street.
2: And don't forget to check out CA. We are looking for people to deliver this weekend, especially on Saturday, if you have time to help out. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chet, former NHL goaltender, now NHL analyst with Rogers, Hockey Night in Canada. You see him on the tube all the time. Kelly Rudy is on the line. I got Thursday Night Football on. They're about to kick off in Seattle, and they do these color rush uniforms. The Seattle Seahawks are wearing a full lime green Outfit, And I'm thinking, Kelly, the people who used to make fun of you for wearing a bandana must be losing their (laughs) mind tonight.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's great. It's funny. Uh, My wife and I were uh, were driving home yesterday from this, uh, or two days ago, and uh, we had Ron McLean's book, uh, Collard, I think. That's the name of his first book, and we're going over it uh, because Ron mentions me. And it, it of course, is in reference to Don Cherry calling it the blue chiffon. So we had a pretty good chuckle because I'd forgotten all about that. So good memories.
2: Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, the Oilers took yesterday off. Uh, they, they had a busy stretch. They played 23 times in 43 days. Didn't do great. They went 8, 10, and 5. Uh uh, you know, didn't do well in overtime, had a few games, uh, three games, actually. They lost in the final two minutes. And Kelly, I'm, I'm going to play the whole quote for our listeners uh, later in the show, but it's kind of a long one. I'm just going to read you uh, uh, yeah. something interesting that Todd McClellan said today. He says, as you get better as a team, game management comes into play. You have to find ways to win when it's not going well. You have to find ways to win when maybe there's a fatigue factor. You have to find ways to win when a potential call doesn't go your way or a star player maybe isn't carrying the team that night. I think we have a long way to go in that area. Some of that ex- is experience. Some of it is growing as a group. And i, and I that's the end of the quote. And I found, found that very interesting because the Oilers are getting points. They're in an okay position. But, yeah, you can look back over the last month and a half and say even if two, three, four extra points could have been bagged in tense situations, it could change the whole outlook. And I'm just wondering your perspective on, um, you know, playing when you don't feel your best or things aren't going your way because as a pro, it's still your job to try to figure out a way to win that game.
3: You know what's uh, uh, interesting about that comment about when you're not feeling your best or... It's, it's surprising how rarely you ever feel all that great going into a game. It, it's the weirdest thing because you're thinking, and I know most fans listening to this would say, well, how dare you say that when out of 365 days in a year, you're only going to play 82 games. You must be able to get prepared mentally and physically for that. And yet it's surprising how often you get to the rink and, you know, you're first of all, you're going to be banged up because from around November on, every single player that's in uniform on the ice that night is nicked up in some way so they're they're already fighting through some ailment that of course nobody knows about other than maybe the training staff so uh, oftentimes I bet a coach wouldn't even know so that's job number one but oftentimes you get there and you're you're low on energy and you 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 fight through I think I might have played with playoffs And regular season, I'm not exactly sure, but about 750, 800 games in the league. And I bet I could say I really felt great only about 200 nights. And the other times, I was really proud of myself in most cases because I found a way to draw it out of myself. And that's what you got to do. Al Arbor is great about that. Once again, you're going to hear an Al Arbor story. But he would say you've got to find a way um, to turn – whatever you have going on in your body into some sort of positive energy. And he goes, I don't know how to tell you to do it, but it's within all of you. And you've got to find a way to channel that out. And somehow I learned to gut it out, and that's what a lot of these guys do. But you're right, when this is a young team like the Oilers that are learning how to win, they'll figure that out. Because I'm a bigger believer in this Oilers team than I have been in many years, because I do think there's a different sense or a different level of maturity and when you finally do figure out how to draw that out of yourself, you honestly, read, you can't believe how proud of yourself you are. That Holy cow, I didn't feel all that great tonight. I, I stunk in warm-up. And one of the tricks I used to do in na- the national anthem is if I didn't feel it, I'd look around and i go, you know what, Kelly, 17,000, 18,000 people paid to watch you and the other uh, 40 guys dress tonight you better be on I mean and that was a real great motivator for me
2: well Kelly and I especially appreciated that you're always on for the 14 people who listen to this show
3: <laughs> I, I'm so proud of myself now how I got all this good info out for you I'm going to have a nice glass of wine tonight Reed. How's that sound?
2: Yeah, I, I totally allow you to do that Kelly we'll do this again uh, next week great stuff tonight Matt. enjoy the rest of your evening
3: Okay, pal. Talk to you soon.
2: That is our weekly guest here at Inside Sports, Kelly Rudy, longtime NHL goalie, played with the Sharks, Kings, started his career with Al Arbor and the New York Islanders. And, of course, now you see him on uh, Sportsnet on Hockey Night in Canada all over the tube all the time. Always fun to have him on the show. Some great stories there about Alan Thick and Garth Brooks and uh, good perspective there on uh, pulling it out of yourself, being a pro when you don't feel great. The Oilers haven't felt great. And uh, some nights when they were tired, they were able to pull things out. Other nights didn't quite work. They will play Tampa Bay on Saturday. 6.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Chet. The game will start at 8. Ducks lead the Bruins 4-3. That game isn't even half over. I'll have the full scoreboard when we get back. And our brand director here at 6.30, Chet, is going to check in. He's sticking around. Sid Smith has an incredible story from early in his broadcasting career about meeting the late Alan Thick, It's a pretty cool story. Eskimo Center Justin Sorensen is going to drop into studio later on as well. Fun show tonight. You can always text 630-630. The open line number 780-496-0063. I'm Reid Wilkins. You're listening to Inside Sports on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat.
1: David. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. This is Benoit Pouliot. Jordan Everly here. This is Mark Letestu. This is Milan Lucic from your Edmonton Oilers. Help bring Christmas to thousands of kids. Please support 6:30 Ched Santa's Anonymous.
2: Okay, here's what's happening in the NHL tonight. Ducks leading the Bruins four three. Eight minutes left in the second period. The Islanders have a 4-3 lead over Chicago. That is late in the second period. After the first period in Toronto, the Maple Leafs up 1-0 on the Coyotes. The shots are 21-7 for Toronto. 1-1 Kings and Red Wings after one. Shots are 11-2 Los Angeles. Late in the first period, 2-0. The Devils lead the Blues. The Wild have an early 1-0 lead over the Predators. No scoring yet in Winnipeg between the Panthers and the Jets. The shots are 19-6 for the Panthers. And later on tonight, the Rangers play the Stars. Oilers will have a uh, full practice tomorrow. They play Tampa Bay on Saturday night. Anton Slepeshev has been sent to Bakersfield. Taylor Beck has been called up from the farm. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Your scoreboard is for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. Well, uh, Kelly Rudy and I were talking about Alan Thicke passing away, a very popular Canadian entertainer who never forgot his roots. And uh, Sid Smith is uh, my brand director here at, at 630 Ched from Kirkland Lake, Ontario. Sid, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, Reid. How are you? Good. Thanks for sticking around. This is uh, an interesting uh, connection. I always thought you were the most famous person to call Kirkland Lake, Ontario home. Yeah. I'm still
0: lobbying for the sign, but uh, they probably won't go with me.
2: Well, especially now. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've lost Alan Thick, who, uh, did, who I, I didn't realize this till you know. now you see all his biography stuff. I just knew Canadian. I never even thought about it uh, from Kirkland Lake, Ontario. So I thought, I wonder if there's a Sid Smith, Alan Thick. Some sort of connection, yeah. magic moment, whatever. Yeah,
0: this might be more than six degrees. I'm not sure. But, <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I certainly didn't. I wouldn't say that I, I knew Alan thick. Uh But he was my first probably, uh, when I was working on my first radio station in Kirkland Lake, CJKL, he was sort of the first uh, big interview. Probably him and Honeymoon Suite. Nice. <laughs> uh uh, but the, but the connection was that my uh, my mother was uh, a public health nurse, and so part of what she did she would go and visit people in their homes just to see how they're doing and help them out. And one of the uh, couples that she would go visit on a fairly regular basis were uh, was Alan Thick's grandparents, who still lived in town. And so she'd go over there, and you know this is right around the time when he's. He's big and he's famous, so he would have done his Canadian talk show, and then he he had done Facts of Life, I guess is probably what he was doing at that time. I mean, I don't have the best memory of this, right. uh, but he was certainly big and famous. And anyway, so he she'd go over and visit, and every now and then, um, you know, she'd walk into their house and. Uh, Alan would be kind of lying on the couch watching TV like you do at your grandma and grandpa's house, and so she kind of got to know him a little bit over time, and he just kind of knew that you know every now and then Mrs. Smith comes to visit grandma and grandpa and make sure that they're doing all right, and that's good, and so that relationship would have started before I got into radio, but then once I did, so now and and I I wasn't there, but I can only sort of imagine the conversation with my mom going, Oh, hey, Alan, like my son's in show business too now. Like, you, you must have a lot in common. And uh, so, at some point, she, you know, she was kind of my broker. Uh, you know, she kind of, unbeknownst to me, I probably would have said, like, you know, Mom, like, please don't. Like, he's not going to want to come and get interviewed by some 19-year-old kid at the local radio station. He's Alan Thicke. Uh But she was my mom and so she said hey you probably would like to get interviewed by my son and he's like yeah I'd like to get interviewed by your son (laughs) Uh, and so she told me that like and then she came home after she already talked to him one of these times and said would you and I'm like well yeah of course I, I wouldn't say no to that and uh but I thought nothing would ever come of it, and then you know, two, three months go by, and he was coming back up north to visit his grandma and grandpa again, and he phoned ahead and said uh, to them, and said, "Hey, you know, I'm coming to visit. Did you, you, did you want to call Mrs. Smith <laughs> and see, if, see if her boy still wants to interview me?" So it was like this weird sort of thing, and uh, so I said, "Yeah, yeah sure," and uh, he just kind of. You know, whatever the day was, just kind of showed up at the radio station, walked upstairs and introduced himself to the receptionist and said, you know, I'm here to here to talk to Sid. <laughs> so so it's always like a big deal around the radio yeah, station exactly, for a couple yeah. of days. Right. But <laughs> but yeah, so that but he and and I just I just remember that he was, as everybody's sort of been talking about, like from the very, very famous people to, uh, you know, regular folks that just had the opportunity to meet. And what I remember was he was just a really, really nice guy.
2: Well, and that's and this that's such a Canadian story that he just went to his hometown, small-town radio station because he probably thought, yeah, he should do it. And he's one of those guys, I mean, you, don't, you never hear anybody say anything bad about Alan Thicke. No. Right? Canadians love him. And I think we love Canadian stars. We know you often have to go to the States to, to mm-hmm. make it. But they, I mean, sadly enough, he he passed away because of a hockey game. Right. But that's also he kept playing hockey, was very even Canadian. in L.A. Where yeah. there's, you know, and we love when you know Mike Myers would slip his hockey references into Saturday Night Live yeah. or, or or whatever, so that he always maintained that where we could always, you know, poke people. So he's he's Canadian. He's Canadian.
0: Well, and one of the things I do remember when when I was talking to him, so he. You know, because I was at that point, I you know, I didn't know much of his background other than he was from our hometown, uh, but he went down south to go to school to, uh, I think he went to Western in, in London, Ontario, and... He he was telling me he wasn't really, a, you know, a big student, but that was what you did to keep mom and dad and probably grandma and grandpa happy as well. And so my line of question was, well, and now, you know, local boy makes good. And now you've got sort of you're living the dream. You've got your dream job. And he was like, no, nah, that's not my dream job. My dream job is to play in the NHL. And, you know, he says, like, this is great. And I love it. And I appreciate it. And I, I you know, I, I, I know how fortunate I am, but I didn't lie awake staring at the ceiling as a 10-year-old in Kirkland Lake hoping I would be you know writing jingles for variety shows or acting uh on network tv you know I was skating out onto the ice at Maple Leaf Gardens and scoring the winning goal
2: yeah that's incredible I'm well I'm sure he was still thinking about that you know kid he kept playing hockey Sid thanks for sharing that story that's incredible stuff thank you Sid Smith our brand director here on 630 Chet sticking around thanks again Sid that's that's an incredible story the uh, 19-year-old Sid Smith, a little help from his mom as his as his producer, <laughs> yeah, getting Alan Thicke to come in and uh, go on his radio show in Kirkland Lake, Ontario. That that that's awesome. I'm so glad Sid shared that. That's it's first of all, it's just a really cool s- story and and a, and a great story about uh, Alan Thicke and certainly one of those guys that uh, stayed pretty down to earth even as he became famous and yeah Alan Thick, a Hollywood celebrity dream job man I wish he was playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs Matthew Panashic is on the other side of the window tonight uh, I mean Matthew uh, would you describe me as someone who loves his his job I would describe myself that way a hundred percent you love your job but when people say to me is is it your dream job I always think then you get thinking mm, wait a minute like dream job like if I, could, if I could say anything yeah dream job five-time Masters champion you know, like, that sounds pretty cool, you know? I'm 42. Maybe I've won a five Masters, maybe a couple U.S. Opens. I don't want to be too greedy. So I'll go with five Masters, two U.S. Opens, one British and one PGA. Fair enough? And I'm still on the tour and successful. That, that's reasonable for a dream job. Very much so. Mine would be astronaut. That'd be so much fun being an astronaut. Really? That'd I be cool, that. man. I thought yours would be sports-related. Well, it is. But, but, you know, I mean, like, astronaut being... Go up into space and do all those experiments and stuff like that. I mean, you have to be in the military first to get chosen, but an astronaut is pretty cool, man. Well, and I, I, I'm going to uh, lump myself into this uh, group. You also have to be smarter than you are. <laughs> oh, 100%. And, and me too. And me too. You have to be able to not only spell physics, but calculate physics. <laughs>
4: One plus one's not good enough, eh?
2: No, you got to be a little little more uh, polished uh, than that. Darn it. Uh, you're close, though. Keep working, buddy. All right. Uh, here, Here's that, uh, before we go to break here, here's that Todd McClellan clip. Uh, interesting thoughts today. Because he, he, he said, he kind of came out and was asked, what did you guys do today? And he said, we have to repair our game. So I said, okay, Todd, you've used the word repair. So that begs the question, what is currently in disrepair?
1: Our overall game, um you know, when you've had as little practice time as we've had, we we need to talk about face-off coverages, face-off execution. That's where the game starts. But then from there, all three zones, uh, special teams, uh, I still think that we need to get better um, in our end and coming into our zone, managing uh, that part of it. And as you get better as a team, uh, game management comes into play and and you have to find ways to win, when it's not going well for you, you have to find ways to win. When uh, maybe there is a fatigue factor, uh, you have to find ways to win. When uh, a potential call doesn't go your way, or or a star player or two maybe isn't carrying the team that night, and um, I think we have a long way to go um, as a team in that area. And um, you know that's some of that's experience, some of that's growing as a group. Other um, parts of it is is valuing those areas Um, defensively understanding that you don't get a goal or an assist or uh, a point um, individually for playing solid D zone coverage as a group of five Uh, but it can lead to the other end and and having those individual rewards but we have to value that as much as we do uh, uh, the offensive marks on on a score sheet.
2: Well, and as much as we'd like to think you can go out and, and dominate a game for 60 minutes, it rarely happens in the NHL. And, I mean, the Oilers were, were clearly not the better team against Columbus. Okay. Um, they've had a couple games. They were able to take advantage of a Chicago team that didn't play great, win 5-0. Okay. Most of the games have been close. And I want you to think over the last 43 days when the Oilers have played 23 times – They're only 2-5 and in games that have been tied after 60 minutes, and they lost three games where the opposition scored the game-winning goal in the final two minutes. I mean, there is a potential extra three, four, five, six points right there. And I think it's little things like that that the Oilers have to get better at. Inside sports on 6:30 Chad we'll talk a little bit about the Canadian World Junior team when we get back Eskimos' offensive lineman Justin Sorensen coming into studio as well. Serving Edmonton and making Christmas dreams come
1: true for more than 60 years we are 6:30 Chad Santa's Anonymous.
2: Remember the new warehouse for Santa's Anonymous, the Jerry Forbes Center, 12122 68th Street. If you want to deliver toys this weekend, doors will open at uh, 930 Mayor Don Iveson will be in attendance on Saturday. Members of the Edmonton Eskimos will uh, be there, and we are looking for people to drive and deliver. You can help for as little or as, long or as long as you're available for on both Saturday and Sunday, santasanonymous.ca for more information. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chad, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. It is that time of year where we're getting hyped up for the World Junior Tournament, and to help us do that. and Tell us some stories as well. I'm pleased to welcome the play by play voice of the Everett Silver Tips in the WHL. It is Mike Benton. Mike, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine, Reed. Thank you. How are you this evening? I'm doing very well. It's it's great to talk to you and uh, you know I was I was reading about you today. And uh, I deal with a former play-by-play voice of the Alaska Aces on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. and that is Jack Michaels, who now calls the Oilers game. And I'm like, hey, Mike used to call the Alaska Aces game as as well. I did
4: not actually uh, come after Jack. It was actually the guy who took over for Jack. Uh, That's Josh Bogorod now with the uh, Dallas Stars. He handles their uh, pregame and intermission coverage on television. but. Uh, Jack and I uh, have a, a wonderful relationship, which goes all the way back to 2003 or 2004, and he was in his second year with the Aces. Uh, I, I came from, uh, as a few of you would call, a non-traditional hockey background, where I went to college at a, a liberal arts uh, university in the L.A. area where I grew up and grew up watching um, Wayne Gretzky, the Kings, uh, Paul Correa and his heyday day with the Ducks. and. I wanted to get into hockey, but uh, I had to use some pretty creative uh, turns to finally get on that road full speed ahead. So what I would do, actually, is I laughed on to a friend who was uh, helping run press box operations with uh, the old Long Beach Ice Dogs team. Back then, they were uh, just in their infancy in uh, the ECHL, and I happened to run across uh, a game against Alaska, and Jack was handling play-by-play back then. Uh, whereas he and I grew a relationship and he offered to listen to my tape when I was in college and give me some feedback. Uh, lo and behold, I then uh, got into it with uh, the Stockton Thunder of uh, yesteryear and uh, Jack and I grew a relationship. And uh, when the time came, I uh, got a chance to uh, take over in Jack's old position with the Aces, which was uh, a very a very rewarding set of two years uh, up there, not just growing professionally, but personally as well. And uh, Jack is a guy who I still keep in touch with from time to time. Uh, obviously very busy, but uh, certainly a lot very special that still remains there. And really, I, I can't be uh, too proud for a guy like Jack. And uh, what he's doing now with uh,
2: you guys and with the others. Mike, I, I, and we want to talk about Carter Hart because he's a great local story and a great Everett story. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it's it's too good for me not to ask. Okay, so you're in L.A., one of the warmest places in the United States. And then you go work in Alaska. One of the coldest. <laughs> what was that like? It was a little like? bit of a culture shock. And when I
4: got the job up there, I sat down with my wife, Amy, and we made a list of, okay, here here is a, a list of things that we can bring and a list of things that we should sell. Besides the car, pretty much everything that was in the label of warm weather clothing was out the door and into the thrift store about a week later. And we happen to bulk up in our first couple of weeks uh, up there. It definitely is a bit of a
2: change. <laughs> all right, uh, Mike Benton joining us. He's the uh, play-by-play voice for the Everett Silver Tips. They have placed a couple of uh, players on Team Canada for the upcoming World Junior Tournament. One of them is goaltender Carter Hart, who uh, is an Edmonton area kid. Uh, I've had him on the show a couple times. He's a very uh, he's a pl- pleasure to talk to. Great to deal with. He's having an incredible season. Uh, I mean, just tell us you're around Carter all the time. Just tell us what he means to the to the silver tips and uh just uh your thoughts on on uh, him representing Canada here coming up
4: well I've had a privilege to call uh, uh several great players in the minor pro ranks for 10 years but Carter Hart for my entire career which uh, is now into his 12th year is one of the most special um talents I have had a chance to uh, really help unfold as far as a storyline each and every night uh, there's not often a goaltender that comes along who has the poise uh, he possesses the skill set that he possesses but not only that Reed, uh, you hit the nail on the head as far as uh, his personality extremely articulate young man and uh, a guy that I've had a chance to just sit down with a couple of times and shoot the breeze and not just learn the hockey side, but learn about uh, the personal side behind him. And uh, you know, when we were all at eighteen, we we're you know still trying to kind of figure life out. So you can really only imagine the whirlwind that is uh, really encasing Carter Hart right now. Not just with trying to fit in with his peers, but uh, trying to advance his career, his credentials, and kind of manage all of this on a day-to-day basis. Uh, there, there, there can be a lot of people who tug at him in 18 different directions, but he does such an incredible job at managing that, which boils down to statistics and far and away, there hasn't been much of a drop off generally here for this season uh, versus last year when he was named a CHL goaltender of the year.
2: Uh, So just before I let you go, Mike, two WHL goalies on the team, Carter from uh, Everett and Connor Ingram from the Kamloops Blazers. I'll mean, i let you be the arm care coach here. Um, Who do you think the starter is going to be for Canada?
4: Well, I think based on, and, and again, this is just purely based on what I've read and what I've heard, and you really can't go wrong with either guy. I mean, this is not to take away from Connor Ingram, who is an incredible talent, and he has that skill to steal games, but based on the amount that I have seen Carter uh, for 72 games last year uh, for about a good 90% of the season this year, you know, there's a deeper understanding that I have uh, for, for his background, for his makeup, and for his skill sets uh, He's been, you know, training for this moment for pretty much for, for, for the last few years here. And for him to take that next step, it, it really is a, a big opportunity. So I, I think based on how much work that he has put in and the results that have been up on the scoreboard each and every night. I think that you really can't go wrong with a guy like Carter Hart, who's number one. Some may question the size they did. So last year, Uh, you know, we've all seen that Jonathan quick, you know, who's not exactly six foot five can go and win two Stanley cups. Uh, It it really is. uh, It really has a lot to do with uh, makeup, uh, with skills and, uh, these are elements that he has been working on to try to perfect not not just that but poise and uh, is something that uh, he has that is elite level right now so you know as as you win games uh in in, in this game of hockey and meet uh lights out goaltending to compete for championships uh there is a guy named carter hart who has been training for a moment like that i sense he's ready and i think that. Uh, Team Canada could be on the threshold if he's at his A game.
2: Well, right on. That's uh, good to hear. Another Edmonton area kid, Tyson Jost, making Team Canada as well. Mike, great to get to know you a little bit. We'll have to do this again. And uh, all the best the rest of your season with the Ever Silver Tips, Mike.
4: Great. You too. Certainly. Thank you. Looking forward to it.
2: Right on. That is Mike Benton, play-by-play voice for the Everett Silver Tips. High praise for the uh, Edmonton kid Carter Hart playing goal for Team Canada at the upcoming World Junior Tournament. we got a break for the news. We have a lot more to come, a little more from the uh, Oilers. It wasn't a practice today, but from their meetings at Rogers Place. And uh, we'll be joined in studio by a guy who has decided to remain in Edmonton instead of pursuing other opportunities in the CFL, lineman Justin Sorensen.